Hey, hey, wait, I'm admitting our guest. Oh, I, I'm admitting. I'm sorry, but I'm Megan is here. But I know this the, our guest is kind of important. So I'm going to make sure we get him in right away. Our, our guest is a lovely gentleman uh, who is, yes, I kind of important. You know, it's funny. Kind I, of important. Kind of important. I like that. Hello. Hello. Senor, hey, I don't recognize you? you without glasses. What is this? I know. I, I was, I, I, is this going to air, air uh, on video or should I, uh, if it's so, I will oh, get my glasses. It's, it's, That's it's, up to you. It's up to you. I mean, we'll we'll probably have a clip of it that, that we, would, we would share at some point. But if, if you're not comfortable with that, that's okay. It's it's up to you. No, no, it's I'm just gonna I, let me go grab my glasses. It'll take two seconds. No sweat. <laughs> Keep going. Who yeah. is our guest? Eddie? That was a, that was a voice from the heavens. I I oh. uh, he does have a very godly godly voice. You know, so there there's some people that you know they they say like they just have a, a voice, and uh, uh, this gentleman has a voice. Uh, I'm gonna wait till he gets back on so I can intro him appropriately. You know, oh, you as, as inappropriate you as I am in your... human life, uh, I want to intro this gentleman appropriately. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, since it, it is called Kill the Bottle Podcast, but I don't want to say yet what uh, what I'm killing because, uh, you know, our guest, this is this is his one of his babies. This is one of his babies. My 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 the baby I'm most proud of. If you yeah, will. It, it's funny because most people's, you know. Most people's like they're they're into their fur babies, and you you know you have a liquid baby that's pretty special. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> uh, you folks are hearing this voice from the heavens, but I want to introduce uh, uh, the voice that you're listening to. Our our guest is a DGA winning Emmy nominated multifaceted director, filmmaker, writer, uh, actor. You know, we, hey, we, 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 we all, you were once an actor, always an actor and also maker of just special, special gin. Uh, I want to welcome to Guild of Bottle podcast. uh, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of this gentleman and and I'll explain why in in just a few moments, but I want to welcome director Paul Feig to the show. Hello, Paul. Hello, thank you, Eddie. Thank you, Megan. How are you? Oh God, um, Paul- I, I'm 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 a starstruck, so I'm just gonna sit here and smile, <laughs> creepy. Somebody, somebody in the room with me. <laughs> <laughs> thank uh, you, very, very, you're very kind. Thank you. Uh, Appreciate uh, you know, for for, uh, for folks of you who don't know Paul, uh, I was I was turned on to uh, to Paul by this cult. I want to say cult television show, but it's I mean it's just a great show. I think it was just ahead of its time. Uh, which is why you know the 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 course of things that happen sometimes in TV when when shows are ahead of their time. You know, I I I, I recall it watching. Canceled. Yeah, well, you know, but I re- I recall watching Richard Pryor's comedy show, his his like live show, and you know, fast yeah. forward, you know, that was Chappelle's show before Chappelle's show, and it was just yeah. ahead of its time. And that's how I feel about a show that you were part of called Freaks and Geeks. Um, Thank you. just an iconic show. And then, I mean, hello. You directed Bridesmaids, man. Come on. You know. <laughs> yes, I, it's been a storied career. I've, I've, uh, I've, I've, gone, I've gone to many different genres, let's well, just say. Well, you know, I, I think of, like, the amount of people you've had to deal with in a, in, a, in a good way. But, you know, there's a lot of comedic energy you have to deal with. The perfect thing to do after directing a movie like Bri- Bridesmaids is develop a gin. I think you just kind of have to. <laughs> 
Exactly. You know, it, it had to be done. And then the irony was I actually, when I did my movie, A Simple Favor, which uh, the martini uh, figures very heavily into, I didn't have my gin yet. And so um, so Blake said, oh, well, Ryan's got this company. He really, li you know, that he likes their gin. Why don't we use that? And so it was aviation. So aviation is all over um, A Simple Favor. But uh, I hope to one day go back in and digitally take it <laughs> and put mine well, you know, I think your next step, Paul, is to have your own ad agency like Ryan. You know what I mean? Like he that and then that way you've got the full like the full gambit. You just yeah. unless you, you have an ad agency that I don't know about. <laughs> not that I'm aware of, but not that I know of. What? Well, uh, what, what we're talking about is is Arding Stahl's uh, Brilliant London Dry Gin. And I love that you named this after your mother's maiden name. Uh, my mother's name was Eva, not her maiden name. But uh, I've always wanted to think of the possibility of, of, of naming something in honor of my mother. And I love that you did oh. that with this gin. Uh, and it is it is a special gin. And, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll tell you, and I'm going to ask you about it, but I was blessed enough to have the opportunity to do a virtual tasting with Paul during the pandemic of this gin right when it launched. And I want to say it was maybe spring or summer of 2020, somewhere around there. Yeah. Am I in the right ballpark? Like May, I think like okay. May of 2020. Yeah. And I remember getting this beautiful package, this stunning box, which is actually, Paul, it's right behind me. It's in my home cocktail bar. And it's actually, it's actually in my, I mean, I took it out of the pre-display I have it and I put it up on the bar for the show, but this is this is so I'm wearing I'm wearing a blazer right now, okay? Because Paul is the well, most well dressed person. Uh, I I have a feeling you have like a. Why robe. didn't you let me know, Eddie? Um, because it's less funny if I let you know, Megan. Why That's, didn't you tell me? Yes, and yes, oh, and you look great, Megan. You look I'm, wearing, I'm wearing my former middle school teaching jacket. Oh, nice. Well, this package comes in the mail, and I open it. It's this beautiful kit with this. I mean, first of all, the bottle's stunning. And, and, and I open the gin cause that's my first thing is like, cause like many of folk, I've had my, my bad, you know, like beef eater gin experience when you're younger and, and it like affects you for many years of your life. But then I open yep. this gin and it's so, fr it, it made me think of as a, as a Cuban male, this amazing Latino cologne that my grandmother would, would put oh, oh. on. It's like this floral, it's like this beautiful dry gin, and it's the kind of thing where if you're a Cuban kid in Miami, your grandmother's going to put this on the sheets after they change the sheets in the bed, and they lay you down, and you're like, oh, this is comforting. Uh, and then, <laughs> in, in true Paul fashion form, there is a, ah. a pocket square in, in the box, and I had to throw it on because I've actually rocked this many a time, my friend. So Thank you, anyway, Mike. I love that. <laughs> so you know, after the 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 difficulty of uh, of directing, Brett, I'm just kidding. Uh, when you decided to come up your with your gin, what was the what was the catalyst for that? Did you always love gin? I'm assuming. Yeah, so, well, but... I've always wanted. I'm weirdly, I've always wanted to have my own gin. I I started out younger, having the same bad beef eater experience, you know, where you Touché. sneak down and go, "Oh, gin! This is so adult!" And like, go on, it's like pine salt. Um, but then, as I got into uh, into cocktail culture in my twenties, um, you know, the more reading I did about martinis, and that to me is this the most beautiful cocktail of all time. The glass, everything about it, just it, it's it's Agreed. every everything that adulthood. But I was reading is like, 
you know, a, a real martini is gin. It was like, oh gosh, I don't think I like gin. So but it's like, I'm going to make myself like gin. And so, you know, started having, got an appreciation for the older ones. But then as you get into the gin, you know, more of the gin world, you start to discover ones. You go like, oh, I kind of like that one. That doesn't have as hardcore of a juniper taste as that one did. And just started trying all kinds of gins and found ones. I remember like when I first time I had Hendrix, it was like, oh gosh, oh, this yeah. really takes off of that. I really kind of dig that. But then I'm not a huge fan of the cucumbery side of it. So it was, I always found things I go like, oh, that's almost right. But if I could do it, I would take this and I would replace it with this. So this was really like, I mean, for 20 years, I kept going like, if I could have my own gin, I think I know how to do it. And it was only about five years ago that I partnered up uh, with uh, Minhas, with uh, Ripinder and Manjeet Minhas out of Canada, who have this great company called Minhas. You know, it, it, they started making all their money in beer and then they do a lot of uh, well spirits. Like they do, um, they do, I think like the rum for Trader Joe's and that kind of thing. So but they didn't, they didn't have a premium gin, a premium spirit, let's just say. Well, and and so, I guess that's, that's always, that's always a, you know, you, and, and not to throw pun in there, but you align yourself with a premium person or somebody that, that has that, let's say lifestyle, you know, uh, and, and if you, if you folks follow, of course, Art Installs Gin on social media, on Instagram, and I, I love Paul on Instagram at Paul Feig on Instagram because he does these live little cocktail experiences and mm -hmm. it's it's informative it's fun and it's one of those things where it's like you know as 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 like the the Monday the armchair quarterback you're like dude are you not good at something is there something you're not good at but Paul could host his <laughs> own late night talk show it's amazing because you do such Paul, a great job Paul Eddie's of never said any of things about me I'm what? Oh, I'm no. not premium he does behind your back. He does. Behind your back. <laughs> yeah. Megan has a fame for looking for the worst well tequila. And, and, do. and she does. This is not a joke, Paul. I like the pain. It's a thing. <laughs> some things, some things are too classy. I like. Yeah, yeah. I do love the smell of uh, juniper and it, which that is like, I really like it in the morning, which I'm not drinking in the morning. I'm just saying like the smell of it. Is, is so awesome. So I love that you went after a gin and that you also know that a real martini, hello, is a gin martini, people. Just so exactly. you know. I, I, get, I get kind of, I, I tamp it down, but I get kind of infuriated when I go, oh, I love martinis. People go, oh, vodka or gin. It's like, I said, mm. I like martinis. I don't mm. like vodka martinis. Oh my God, you just became my favorite person. <laughs> Eddie, you moved down the list, bro. What? No. Oh my Damn. goodness. Well, but it, it, it's funny because you're, you know, and I, and I try to look at it through the eyes of 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 director. I've I've you know I was I was an actor in in a former life, but like I say, you, once an actor, always an actor. But there's something visually stunning. There's something there's something so sexy about the martini, and I don't know if it's uh, if it's from black and white movies or if it's James Bond, I don't know what it is, but there's something so romantic about yeah. that particular cocktail and watching it be. And it's funny because it's such a simple, you know, it isn't simple when it's done right. But right. for your at home on a Tuesday person, it's a relatively simple cocktail after a crappy day at work that you can make. Yet, yeah. it just screams, you know, uh, uh, a tie and a suit. It, there's something about it. Well, you can't, you kind of, you know, like a martini is weird to drink if you're like in a, you know, a sweatpants and a, and a t-shirt. doesn't mean right. you can't, but almost the martini almost shames you of like, I gotta, I should step it up for this drink. <laughs> I was you like, know? don't shame my sweatpants yeah. martini night. 
Oh. Exactly. You're not a red solo cup. So but you're uh, right. It does make you amp up your game a little bit. Yeah. It does the aesthetics of, of, of a martini glass, whether it's a traditional martini glass or like a Nicanora. Yeah. And you're right, Eddie. It does come partly. It's from all these. There you go. Beautiful. Uh, that's the right L, right? Yeah. Um, glasses. Uh, it but is. it does come from watching those old movies from the 30s, you know, uh, the Finn Man movies in, in, you know, or Cary Grant and in uh, North by Northwest, you know, from the 50s yeah. or whenever that was. Uh, it, it just really, I, I just love it so much. And, and about just the simplicity of, of a martini, it is sort of the hardest drink to get right mm -hmm. because because there's only two ingredients other than whatever garnish, you know, whether you put a twist or olives or onions yeah. or whatever in. Uh, and I like a very dry martini. So that's why, long way of saying, when I formulated this gin, I really formulated it first and foremost to be good in a martini. Well, I love that. You, you have, you know, like... Many of folks have said, but I'll, I'll I'll reiterate that you have this eye for talent. Whether it's uh, casting on a show like Freaks and Geeks, if you if you know if you go down the list of that cast and see the forget box office, but just look at the the cinematic or cultural impact uh, that folks that were participated in that show, whether it's you, Seth Rogen, Judd Apatow, James Franco. I mean, it's 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 um, th you know, people speak words in their in their in their vocabulary because of content that was created. By folks like you, and and the 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 development of a gin, you have to have this eye for talent. But when it comes to your botanicals, uh, were there any parallels to to casting a film or a show to sort of casting the botanicals in your in your gin? Well, I mean, what it was is it's very interesting and fun to uh, to create your own, uh, um, you know alcohol because especially gin because How could it we not know, be fun? <laughs> i know exactly what's the downside uh, <laughs> oh i don't want to go to work today um, <laughs> Ooh, what i have to taste this damn Ooh, oh, no. I'd rather use a shovel i don't know whatever whatever <laughs> a job i wouldn't want to do um but no you, you kind of go in the first time because you're also working with people who really know what they're doing you know the, these you know master distillers and all that so the process is kind of going like here's the gins I like, here's what I want out of my gin, and here's what I don't want out of my gin. And you really just download that to okay. them. Yeah. And then they go away and they come back with like eight different, completely different things that they've sort of tried out. And then you're like, ugh, ugh well, ooh, yeah, oh no, you know. And you just go through that process over and over again, but each time you whittle it down, whittle it down, whittle it down. And I knew there were certain tastes that I wanted in there, especially like I wanted a little bit more citrus uh, in it. Not I didn't want it to be a citrus forward, but I wanted just to have it because I like a twist in my martini. Mm -hmm. um, so they say they kind of slowly come in on that. And then you kind of go, what's in this? You know, and then you start to hear the different things. And what was interesting, I, we went to Peru when we were in the middle of doing this. And I found this one place that had this like Peruvian mint or something that I was like oh my god I found an ingredient that nobody's ever used and brought it back and they were into it but then it, the whole thing was like man it just overtook the whole thing so yeah. like throw it out but yeah. then there's all these things like Cassie you know all that stuff that, that you don't think about but they go into just creating these tastes and it, it's really exciting you know and we also knew we didn't want to be one of these you know 24 botanicals to keep it simple so there's only 11 botanicals in this and I think that's that's what kind of makes it sort of nice and and not so complex that it's challenging. It, it's really, it's smooth, it's fresh, and you know the irony of it is I've, I've slowly but surely been exploring more gin, and I go to the opposite 
ends of the spectrum. I like super dry. Then I like mm. super, you know, but I want them for different things. I, yeah, I, you know, it just depends on what I'm making. Right. And, yeah. and I really like that you didn't just, and I, and I can, you can get it right away from tasting it, Paul. This isn't just blowing smoke up your ass. You, you can get it right away that you just didn't slap your name on something. Um, no. there was TLC, there was, you know, I don't know about uh, probably some sweat. I don't know about blood and tears, but maybe tears. Cause when you drink <laughs> enough, we all start crying. Um, when the bottle's empty, there's tears. Exactly. <laughs> but, <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 I'm uh, out. Megan. I need more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know about that. We don't know about crying alone during a pandemic with an empty bottle. What? Uh, no, uh, no, no. Uh, Who would ever do that? Yeah, <laughs> not single women in 30s, 30s. Nope. No, but I, you know, I remember a period of time where there were just constant products that you could tell somebody was just like, you know, and God bless George Foreman because he killed it. Uh, but there were, and, and you know, and the George Foreman grill, hey, I had one uh, and it was, it did, it did what it was supposed to do. But, you know, George Foreman got lucky, slapped his name on a grill and it worked out. And, yeah. and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to the, the world that we live in now, I don't think the, you have enough leeway to get away with a quote unquote not up to par or that people know you didn't put the effort behind yeah. it product. Well, just like you can't you can't uh, uh, con a an audience uh, with a kick ass trailer to a shitty movie mm-hmm. anymore. Right. You used to be able to do that, but now the internet's like, no, we're going to call you out immediately. And same <laughs> with this. Yeah, Eddie, it's 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 one of the benefits of being a Z list celebrity is that nobody would put my name on anything anyway. So I had to do it from from scratch, but it, it makes you have to do it, which is great. Um, and also, I just wanted to. I I, I love it so much. And it was so important to me. And I knew exactly what I wanted. I just needed experts to be able to deliver what I what I wanted. And, and the people at Minas are just, they're unbelievable how good they are. Well, I mean, you know, you're, you're a director, but you still need the great cinematographer. You need the great cast. You need, you need the, the, you can have a vision, but you have to have people that can initialize it and manifest or help you manifest that vision. Um, and yeah. there are so many similarities, you know, between that. I'm sipping on something right now, and I have to. So, I, you, you probably, if we, if we go back in the video, you'll see my reaction to it. So, I'm I'm a Negroni fan. Uh, yes. I, I know that's your 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 you know you love martinis, but Artingstalls launched a a you know a bottled Negroni. It's called uh, Negroni Number no. One, and oh. it, it does feature Artingstalls gin. And, you know, people will ask, well, you know, Negroni's simple. Why do you bottle a Negroni? And I'm going to give you my thoughts on it, and I want to ask you about it. Please. I think this is such a great idea to have a bottled cocktail, and and I'll tell mm-hmm. you why. So a Negroni, traditionally, folks, is equal parts gin, sweet vermouth, and bitter liqueur. Campari is usually what's, you know, what's used out there, but, you know, a bitter Italian liqueur. But what mm-hmm. happens is people will go to the store, and they'll see uh, Antica Carpano, and it'll be thirty something dollars a bottle for a seven fifty or a liter bottle of it. And what happens uh-huh. is it's a wine product. And what happens to a wine product? It oxidizes if you don't refrigerate it. If you refrigerate it, it'll last you a month, two or three. I mean, if you're lucky. By the time three months come around, invite some friends over, dump it, cook with it. I don't know what you're gonna do. But when you kill the it, bottle, kill the bottle. Oh, thank you, sir. Wow, thank uh, you. But when you bottle yeah. it. The 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 wine product, the vermouth, is kind of preserved within the gin and the bitter liqueur, so you don't have to buy three bottles of product to you know to make a a, you know, a seven fifty liter bottle of a cocktail. So anyway, that's that's my thoughts on it. But uh, what oh, is, yeah. what? How did the Negroni come about? 
Uh, it came about because um, Waco, who uh, owns the the Rake magazine, which is my favorite magazine in the world. It's the most, you know, it's, it's traditional men's styling. And um, he and I have always had a love of Negronis. We always have when we go out, you know, and he likes the, like also Negroni Espagliata, you know, where you use um, Prosecco instead of the gin. Yeah. But we just love Negronis. And he just, we were talking, it's like, we should do a bottle, you know, a bottled one, you know, and since I had my gin coming out, it was just, it just kind of seemed as natural as that, because I'm with you, it, even though it's the, it, it is like cocktail enthusiasts will go like, why would you do a bottled one? But I, I agree with you, like, to, to, first of all, to find your perfect one, mm-hmm. you might not like Campari, and you might not yeah. like Martini, you know, sweet vermouth, and that's, so, there's a million different kinds of Negronis you can make because of all the different brands that are out there. And I have one that I've always made with my secret ingredients. And I was like, I want to do that one. And so that's the one that's here. So, so it's, it's, it tastes differently than, than a lot of anything you get in a bar because it doesn't use Campari. It's lovely. um, It's lovely. And, 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 and I like that, you know, within the chorus, Still, the lead singer or the voice that sticks out the most to me is the Artingstall and it, Artingstalls, and it just it works really well because I've made a Negroni with Artingstalls uh, before, and nice. and uh, you know the traditional Negroni, and oh. maybe I've added some smoke to it, but it I like this better, <laughs> so I do. It's Thank just you. it's just right. a nice spin on it because sometimes the Campari can be too much. Yeah, I, I and I have a you know not no not throwing shade at, at Campari or anything, but I, I I'm not a, I I like it in an Amer- in an Americano, but my problem with with Campari is I think it just makes uh, uh makes it too sweet because it's a very it's not only bitter but there's a syrup syrupiness to it in my opinion, uh, yeah. and so that's why I wanted to find an Italian bitter that was lighter and not as sweet and let the, and let the vermouth you know the, the sweet vermouth do that job but then also like to use a vermouth a sweet vermouth that's got a little bit more spice to it so so what ours is and you don't and, and since our gin is not so juniper forward you get it's a very smooth friendly uh, uh negroni then that, that's what i'm really kind of proud and of again i'm i'm no i'm i'm no cocktail expert by any means but i i do get this kind of a rose petal quality to it uh, uh, I yeah. feel like I'm drinking a, a rose tea in Chinatown in San Francisco. It's just this is what's making me think of of going to the the market, uh, the tea, the tea market in San Francisco and sampling teas and trying a rose tea for the first time. And this is like the first time I feel an essence of a rose. And is that something oh, that you right. taste in it, or is it just me? I'm, I'm, I'm. Yeah, no, it is. What I love about it, and when we were formulating it, is I like I like gins that kind of surprise you, uh, uh, like one or two steps. And so the, the nose of it is is very floral, I would almost say. Then the taste of it kind of is a mix of floral and, and citrus. But then there's a pepper back, you know, uh, aftertaste that I really like that, that kind of sneaks up on you. So it keeps it from not being so floral. I just don't want it to be a bunch of different things. I mean, I, I don't want it to be one thing, I should say. I want it to be a bunch of different things. And when I... um. The first time, the most harrowing moment of my life was, you know, I go to Duke's bar in, in London. That's my favorite oh, yeah. bar in the world. And Alessandro Palazzi is the king of the martini and he yes. knows gin. And I was like, OK, I'm going to let you try my gin. And just like, oh, man, like this could my whole life could blow up right now because <laughs> he's very honest and he will not hide what he thinks. And he so he sips it and he's like kind of just making this face and kind of and he ran away from the table oh no oh, no i know <laughs> I spit it out <laughs> but he came back and he's like 
Okay, yeah, yeah. and he did, he, he picked it all. He goes, yes, floral, but now I'm feeling pepper. Now I feel, and it was so exciting and he loved it. And they're just like, oh, thank God. So uh, uh, speaking of he, he loved it, I, I want to congratulate you because, you know, when I first got to try arting stalls, I mean, you know, you guys were not really out there yet. You were just, you know, beyond like new kid on the block is an understatement. It was just, you you know, you were the paper boy driving into the block and like flinging the newspapers into block that, you know, it wasn't you. I'm the the proud stage mother bringing, bringing (laughs) the ugly child to the the audition. I'm not going to get, but I saw (laughs) that now you can purchase arting stalls in, in London. Holy yep. shit. We're going international. We're going international. That's man. amazing. That's I was so yeah. you know, knowing your your love for Dukes, uh per per the the you know the first experience I had chatting with you, I yeah. was I felt like that little kid. I was so excited, which is funny because I I don't know how I mean I'd be excited for you if you were nominated for a Golden Globe or an Oscar, but <laughs> I felt so excited for you because your your gin was in London. I'm telling you, it was, it, uh, oh man, I, all I wanted to do was get there because A, the gin market's big, but also they get gin there. And here, here people are getting it, but they're still kind of slow uh, to pick it up. And it was just like, I got to get this to London. And it was an ordeal. I mean, you know, just the legal hurdles, then the shipping, and then, and then, and then the Brits have this great thing they do where everything, if you want to sell a bottle of booze there, here it's 750 milliliters. There it has to be 700 milliliters. Aye, and you aye. can't just underfill a 750 milliliter bottle. You have to redesign the bottle so that it's just a little smaller. Oh, man. And so we did that. Thank God. You know, again, Minhas, they said, we're going to do it. We'll put the money into it. So they did wow. it. And, um, and so, yeah, it's there. And I just found out today, though, this will make you laugh. We're also doing half bottles, like three, 375s for like, that kind of thing. Just today, I got a guy in London goes like, actually, I think they have to be 350 here. It's like, are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? It's a beer. So you basically have a gin Only beer there. bottle. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. only there. They're like, we want to go smaller. They're like, right. yeah. we drive on the wrong side of the road, and our bottles are just a little bit smaller. We don't want to go bigger. We want to go smaller. Exactly. But I love you, London. I, <laughs> lo- I love you. <laughs> now, is is that? And I know you've mentioned Dukes as as you know the ultimate martini, but you know, I, and 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 I know you like Musso and Frank's here uh, here in LA. Is there? Mm-hmm. Is there another place that just uh, th- that you get? Ex- I mean, you know, it's exciting to fly to London and go to Dukes, of course. And you right. spent some time in the UK working on a project uh, during COVID. So, hello, that's Ooh. amazing. Uh, is there is there another place here stateside that you think does a a, a great job? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There, I mean, there, there's several. Um, uh, to, to start locally, uh, there's a place called the Smokehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, in Burbank, Burbank. yeah, mm-hmm. they make great martinis. Uh, and what the a they make them great. They make them ice cold, which it has to be. Yep. But then the greatest thing is they bring it to you, and it's you know it's a good four ounce glass, not the big ten ounce ridiculous. Yeah, not glasses. a good idea. Yeah, but then it, it, with a sidecar, it comes in a little dish with with ice, and they put the sidecar in there. You know, this it, yeah. it's got like another like martini and a half in it. So you know, so they bring you kind of a half full. So you're getting like. A little less than two martinis when you order one martini, but it's always staying ice cold and you can meet it out, you know, if you want to just put an inch in there. And it, so it's always going to be cold. And 
that's the way to do it. Um, but then also the Polo Bar uh, in New York, they do a great, great martini. And they, they, they keep my, uh, my, my gin behind the bar. They can't, they're not legally selling it yet because they're still waiting for the distributor course, to yeah. pay. Do it. But they keep it for me. And the bartender there makes the greatest martini with my gin. And I'm always like, just, oh my God, what do you do? And he showed me. And there's, I forget the name of the vermouth. That was terrible. I should remember. But there's some vermouth that I've never used before. And he does. And it really just complements everything. Which, which, so, which uh, is funny because I saw, uh, you know, I saw, I started looking through the list of where where it's available and one of the places it's available it just makes me make, makes me laugh because it's in my hometown uh and it's a place called bodega in south beach and i'm oh, yeah, gonna be yeah. in miami beach in a few weeks for south beach wine and food festival and you know bodega is one of the places that we go to but it's like a taco spot so i am mm-hmm. kind of curious to see what they're like i just want to go in i want to order it and i want to see make me you know what what are you going to make here i'm fascinated yeah. by it because i'm really curious to because, you know, everybody makes the martini, right? And maybe they make a martini there, and that's fine. But I love to see the interpretation, the creative interpretation that a bartender will have. Because at the end of the day, those are the gatekeepers for for your... Out- oh, my God. I could, you know, Megan and I could repeat the name a million times. But if the bartenders don't fall in love with it, then we're shit out of luck. Oh, my God. Totally. totally. It's funny. We we sponsored a party for my show, Love Life, in, in New York, our second season premiere. And we did it at this club, Tao. And we supplied the bottles i created a cocktail but the bartender the greatest thing he was like he had picked the, he had the bottle and he goes oh this is yours he goes i love this because look i can pour it like this like he loved this bottle that had this kind of like grip on yeah. the bottom like right on man he goes it's really good and it's really fun to pour it's like done well, yeah but if you ever really if you I mean, I've, I've i've bartended in the past if you ever want to piss a bartender off put it in an uncomfortable bottle to pour because they are never going to touch it Eddie, I can't tell you how much went into the R and D on this to make sure that it was fun to pick up. That like even the like the deep, like originally we didn't have these beveled edges when it doesn't slip. Like, exactly, I said no. I don't want I don't want sharp edges so that it's like hard. If you want to pour it this way, that you dig into your fingers and then you have the grip on the bottom and it has to fit in the well. So this all fits in the well. So uh, yeah, a lot a lot a lot of uh, time and research went into it to make Wait. it the most. One bottle ever. Which again? <laughs> Do that again. Hey, hey. He said. Yeah. You said he has an eye for talent, right? Hold on, let me do it. This is the most fun bottle ever. <laughs> hey, well done. Oh, there thank you. I've been practicing. Thank you. You. you and almost... when the bottle's finished, you can make a cocktail ring out of it. See? Oh, oh yeah. OMG, that's the biggest ring. Or doorknob. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. That's. You know what's funny is I. I <laughs> it is guilt, you know, guilty. Uh, it is a bottle that I have an empty bottle of, and it is not left my house. I Yay. have an empty bottle of Ardingstalls where I'm like, you know what? I'll just when I like, I'm gonna do. Let's say we in my little that you're you're staring at my home cocktail bar, uh, uh <laughs> called the Pecking Room, and I have a little yeah. you know a little TV in here. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should do a little Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and maybe I should do Martini Night. I'm like, you know what? I will have the Ardingstalls vase. And it'll have some roses for my garden, and then I'll just make some martinis, and we'll watch. You know, we'll pretend we're at my home, Musso and Frank's. 
Yes. <laughs> and watch it. Oh, that- my God, I love that. Well, you know, well that, that's the one downside about this bottle is it's really hard to throw away <laughs> because it's so pretty and you feel really, it, you feel like you're throwing a, like a piece of your china into the, into the recycling bin with it. And um, so I, you should see my house. It's literally, my wife's like, are we building a house out of Martingstall bottles? Because <laughs> I can't get rid of them. So they're everywhere. Uh, there's a, a friend of mine owns a restaurant in London called Giovanni's and he takes the empty bottles and he fills them with water and he puts them on people's tables. So I get all these ads for my gin. Amazing. Pouring water out. So there you go. Brilliant. I don't think it's legal in the U.S. It's it's a new episode of Hoarders. Uh, Do (laughs) we need this? Do we need this one? (laughs) Does this one bring you joy? (laughs) You hear I died under a a massive pile of bottles. You'll know (laughs) Paul Feig found. You're going to go out. (laughs) Sitting in an Eames chair covered by Artingstall bottles. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with a big smile on his face. Oh, yeah, I mean, hello. Which is, it's funny. Now I'm thinking. I just realized you. So you, you, you did bridesmaids, and then you. Di- I don't remember which happened first. And please enlighten me. If you directed the episode of Mad Men before bridesmaids or after? Before it was before. before. So did that have any impact season. on John Hamm uh, uh, being cast? No, no. Uh, oh, 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 in in um in in, in bridesmaids. Yeah, well, you know what it was is... Sorry, uh, I was just John thinking I, out loud right now. I was like, wait a second. Yeah. No, it's a good question. No, John and I became really good friends from... I only did one episode in the first mm. first season, but he and I became pals because he's he's such a funny guy and he's such a comedy fan. So we just always kind of stayed friends. And when that role came, you know, when the project... First, I was kind of like, should he be like the, you know, the, the cop? And then there was this... And I was talking to, to Kristen and we were like, no, he's got to be the shitty boyfriend. And... Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He played it, it so well. Like, like it, the There's epitome of every else. guy I've dated, yeah. that's it. He could never <laughs> own a convertible that. Porsche. Like, he just can't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he is so funny. And he's the greatest guy. He's so funny. And you wouldn't expect it from a lot of the stuff he's done. But he is a very comedic actor. Uh, well, let me tell you the, the yeah. story when I first met John Ham. So I had been sent the pilot for, for Mad Men. And I had just gone through a really bad experience on another show. Mm. And I was like, ah, fuck it. I'm not doing MRTV. Yeah. And, um, but my agent's like, oh, they really want you on this. Watch it. So I watched it and I go, this show's really great. I said, but I don't know if it's going to be fun because that lead guy is completely humorless. Like he's not funny at all because, you know, <laughs> that character is so stoic, especially you watch that first episode. So yeah. I was like, all right, well, I'll do it. But this is not going to be a fun week. So come in and meet everybody, you know, and I'm talking to Matt Weiner, who's taking me around. And all of a sudden, like, this surfer guy comes up behind Matt. He's like, hey! and he's like, he's doing these voices and doing, like, jokes from, like, a movie or something. And then he, like, runs away. And I was like, who's that? That guy's really funny. He goes, oh, that's John Hamm. He's the star of the show. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> <Matt> the guy? <laughs> Which and is done. Which, this week's it, gonna be great. It, it's funny, Paul. It's one of those Hollywood moments. I, bef- you know, while I was while I was still acting, like so many actors, I worked in the service industry, and one of my service jobs uh, uh, was as a, a, a like a bartender in in catering, and and I used to cook in catering. And there was this one particular client that my catering company had that I always worked for, and I used to you know bartend. And this super lovely guy would show up at every at every one of our parties and he was just like the nicest guy we would sit, sit at the bar and talk baseball we would talk baseball for i don't know 2 3 hours and just the loveliest guy and he had a lovely girlfriend really pretty pretty girlfriend and anyway that was it we talk about the St. Louis Cardinals i talk about the Marlins and whatever fast forward i have no idea i'm working a catering job again uh, for a GQ magazine cover and it's the cast of Mad Men 
uh, on the cover. And I'm like, oh, 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 this guy looks familiar. And then I see the guy that I used to sit and talk shit with at the bar, and it was John oh, Hamm. And he was That's- the loveliest dude ever. He's the great. Let me let me even I'm going to even take you back on another story about John Hamm, which was flashback probably five years before I did that, that Mad Men episode. I used to go down to the, the L.A. Uh, City Library to hear these lecturers and authors and stuff. And there was a restaurant called Ciudad, which was a you know really great kind of a Mexican restaurant mm-hmm. down there. And I remember once going there and having the most fun with this waiter who was just like really charming and funny. We were joking around. It was John Hamm. I, I, Cause when I was talking to him, got to know him. He's like, yeah, I was a waiter at Ciudad. I was like, that was you. That I was, was like, you. I remember who, who that guy was. So there we go. It's all encounters with Ham, really. That's fantastic. <laughs> you know what? I have to ask this because, so I do a lot of the Hollywood typical side hustle jobs. I do this show with Eddie. Uh, and I, I've now tested the waters of background acting which is quite the adventure. Exactly. (laughs) You have, you know, the two types of people. You have like people that do this for a living and actually pretty good and they just keep to themselves. And then you have like the people that this is my big break, like this is going to happen. I want to know, what's your advice for background actors? Have you dealt with a bad situation with background actors? Should we just (laughs) shut our mouths? Like, Uh, oh my. As a director, (laughs) you probably don't deal with them much, but. I mean, mean, ironically, even if I want to, it's kind of, I'm not legally allowed to talk to them. It's the first AD is in charge of the background people Mm -hmm. but when i was an actor i had a lot of encounters with background people look i love background artists because without them we are nothing but like you say there's always two types so ones that were really cool but there'd always be somebody like they always this was a question hey so how'd you get this job and it's like i've been working at it for a thousand years It's like, oh, you walking down the street? Is there a place I can go where I can get this gig? Um, so, but I think my advice is just, just don't, just do everything. It, it, it sounds terrible, but, but just do everything you're told yes. and don't create a stir because we do note, I'm telling you, we, I bump up background artists all the time. If we go, oh, that person's been great and they just have a great look or they've been really cool and let's give them this line or let's have them do a special bit here or whatever. So yeah, just don't be the, don't be the squeaky wheel. Uh, yeah, it's it's just interesting because you you are you're around you see everybody and then you have the person that's like trying to go talk to everybody and I'm kind of like that's not your job that's not your job like yeah, keep no, your head we, down you, you you never whenever you see an extra walking a, a background artist walking towards a director it's like red alert on the set <laughs> it's my one form of entertainment all the AD department comes <laughs> swooping it's really funny just, don't don't let them walk up to Michael Bay let's just uh... oh God. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah no. but, you know but it's funny and 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 I and I and I mentioned that in in the in the best sense because there's something uh, about you Paul that I that I notice and I and I love this is that I you know I think and you can answer this of course I think you're a better director because you were an actor uh and you yeah. understand that process but also there is this deep rooted sense of caring that just comes off of you in spades uh you know the oh. same way eating too many cold cuts can come off of uh, tony soprano <laughs> it's no but it's just like it's this like this nice, really Eddie. no i you know i have to make nice, a joke Eddie. it's just me it's oh, just yeah. me meg you know it, it's Let's like leave the it's joking like, to the comedian the same way i can't take the same way i can't take a compliment it's hard it's like it's just one of those things but it, it really is paul that it really feels from an outsider's perspective that you are loved 
by the people that have worked with you. They, I, what I feel is that they don't work for you; they work with you. Uh, yeah. How, you know, how do you create that? Is there some rule of thumb that you have? And you know, I mentioned Michael Bay as a joke just because I have friends that have, and you know, I'm never gonna be in a, in the Transformers. Sorry, uh, but I have friends. <laughs> You the know, year is young. That have, that have worked on, on a few of, of Michael Bay films, and I've loved several of them. Uh, but they have, let's just say they've had not great encounters with him. Uh, and, and I can't even fathom that that's in the realm of possibility with you. Is there something yeah. that, that you stand by or that you, know, you have to tell yourself before you go to work every day to, to just make sure you're on, on that certain page? Well, I mean, it came from being a bullied kid. I just okay. made a decision way back then. I said, I never want to ruin somebody's day, mm-hmm. you know, because I've had my day ruined so many times by so many people. We all have. And yeah, yeah exactly. And That's I just don't like that. And it's look, we're all lucky to be in this business. You know, even there's times when it gets, you know, you're behind and it's like, oh, let's go, let's go. But but I felt like yelling doesn't make people go faster and then putting people under pressure doesn't make them go faster. I mean, there is times like we got to get this, but it's not like you better fucking get this. I'm going to kill you. You know, then I tense up in those situations. And also I just, I don't like being mean to people. I can't, I can't do it. It's just not something that I like to do. I mean, I can get very headstrong when there's something I want out of people, but that's less kind of yelling. It's more just, I I can be more, I think, inflexible sometimes. Like, but it's more like change this, change that. Oh, I don't want to change that, you know, but it's not like, you know, so go fuck yourself. You know, yeah. it, it's, I just want people to have a good time and, and, you know, enjoy themselves and be at their best. Well, yes. But that's also, it's frustrating too, is that there is a point that you should be at your best at, at in that level. And so I feel you a little bit because I, I do believe that if they're at that level, they should be at their best. So I, I don't know where we're going in society if we're going up or down, but yeah, I mean, well, I, I'm really, really hard on when we hire people because yes. I'm just like, I have a no assholes policy in my company and anything I do. And I really, you know, really enforce it. It's like, so it's like, do the research up front, call people they worked with, find out if there's any, you know, if one bad report, I won't go on that because sometimes somebody's just taking revenge on somebody else. Absolutely. But if you start to hear, you know, if you start to hear from multiple people, you know, then it's like, let's not do it. Cause I don't want to have to fire anybody. And yeah, I but want that's so to- important that, that I don't think a lot of people now like even look at references Uh, which is sad. I mean, I have great references. My parents really instilled in me, like, do not mess up your job. Do never get fired. That was instilled in me. And I have so many people I know that are like, oh, I was fired or this, like, it didn't even matter to them. So to find the quality of people that that really matters to them, it's a big deal. I like that you do look up the references. Yeah. I mean, you know, I want, I want great people. You know, my father taught me way back when he was like, he said, hire the best people you can find and then let them do what they do. You know, yeah. don't want you know they're good. Don't micromanage them. And that's how I do when I'm producing all my TV shows and stuff is like all my work really goes in up front, making sure we've got everybody right. Got the right people seeing that, OK, they did. They can pull this off. And then I can step back and just go like and check in and read the stuff and go, like, oh, here, I think this, I think that. But even then, it's like I don't want to be the producer who's like, you should do this because like, well, that's what I would do. But I want their voice, you know, and even yeah. if sometimes I'll watch 
you know, some of the stuff that, that we're doing, I go like, oh, I wouldn't have done it that way. But that's really interesting that they did that. And that's valid. And that's cool. And that's their voice. So you take and learn and you listen. And that's that's yeah. what that's the qualities you want in somebody who's in charge of things. To and, and you just get tired of your own voice after a while. You know, you go like, OK, I know how I would do that. But that's not necessarily what I want to watch. Like the most exciting things you see are things you're like, what? You know, oh, my God, I never would have seen the world like that. Or I never would have seen to, to shoot something like that or write it like that or act it like that. That's when you go like, oh, that's exciting. You know, even if you go like, I don't know if I like it, but you go like, it's exciting that it's there and it's new. Yeah. I think that that's a quality that successful people, though, realize is that you don't want to hear your own voice all the time. And I think that that definitely distinguishes you from other people is that you you recognize that it's a, a huge self-awareness that when people think like, oh, I'm not succeeding, like really take a step back and look at yourself. Yeah. And also don't be a control freak, you know, really mm-hmm. use the talents of the people that you work with. I mean, I, I you know, I know a lot, a lot of writer directors, you know, because I write a lot of the stuff that I do. And, um, you know, I hear these stories from actors who work with them and it's like, yeah, you know, I tried to ad lib something and they're like, you better say it just the way I took three years to write this. So you're going to say it. It's like, I don't care if you took 20 years to write it. Like now these actors are there. You hired them. So let them have input. Sure, they got to get it the way you want it, but then let them try things because when you get the editing room, they might be right. And I find on my movies, 90% of the time when somebody goes, oh, can I try this? And it's, and I'll they'll do it. And sometimes they'll be like, oh my God, that's terrible. But it's like, okay, cool. I'll get back to the editing room and go like, you know what? That's the best take because they knew exactly what they were doing because they're living, breathing that character. Why are you acting anymore? You sound like the perfect yeah, actor. I know, what is this? Listen. I'm much better helping other people be good. All right, all right. Yeah. But I still act occasionally. I do occasionally show yeah. up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, it's, it's it's funny, Paul. I was thinking now, and you know, you know, you're you're talking about the the kind of letting letting people do their thing, and that's you know that's that's the kind of thing an actor dreams of uh, as a director. But then at the same time, you're also you know time is money, and you're trying cool. to hone everything down when you have these. These juggernauts. I'm sorry if I use a lot of sports references because you know I think okay. of Phil Jackson and I'm like, okay, if Phil Jackson had five Michael Jordans on the court, how the <laughs> fuck does he manage that game? And you know, right. and you're doing a film like uh like the the Ghostbusters reboot or even even you know even a film like Brian's Bates where you have comedic juggernauts like you know Melissa yeah. McCarthy, Leslie Jones, Kristen Wiig, Kate <laughs> McKinnon. How <laughs> you know. My How? brain would my brain would explode. Well, yeah, totally. you know, and then and I don't I don't know them personally, and 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 I I just know their comedic genius, and I know mm-hmm. they must have so many ideas that they want to evolve and develop, and and from from you know them doing sketch comedy and and whatever. Uh, how do yeah. you as a director? you know, become that guy on the soundboard where you turn down the volume on the guitar and you turn up the vocals and you turn down the bass drum, you know? How how do you make that work? Well, I mean, the great thing about recorded medium, be it TV, movies, whatever, is that you sort it all out in the editing room, you know? So I know what I want and they have things they want to try. And so I'm like, cool, you know, like, let me get this that I need. And now what do you want to do? You know, and and so everybody kind of gets to do their thing. I always call it, it's like controlled chaos, but, but at the same time, you know, a lot of like Ghostbusters haters, they, they, one of their favorite things they always do is like, Oh, the movie's all just improv. It's like, you never do a movie that's all improv unless you say (laughs) this is an improv movie. You know, all the improv, it, it just comes from like here, we know this scene is exactly this, but this joke, 
top that joke, surprise me with that joke, you know? So the, the structure doesn't change and the dialogue honestly doesn't really change from what we've written other than the laugh moments, the joke moments. Like, let's just try, you, you never want to finish a movie and only have one joke option for each place where you're supposed to have a laugh because you do the first test screening and the joke you thought was going to kill doesn't. And you're like, uh oh, well, do we leave a shitty joke in or, oh no, we've got 10 more. Let's try this one. Let's try this one. Wow. You know, that's, yeah. yeah. So it, that's it's, like stand up. Like it's, <laughs> when you're totally. And I was a stand up for years. And honestly, I use, I, as much as I use my acting, uh, you know, experience to, with actors, my, ex, my experience as a stand up as a, how I tell stories and how I hone the stories and how we hone in the editing process is exactly the same as stand-up. Fascinating. You know, Eddie, I know what I'm doing next. Like that, that worked? That didn't work? Yeah, it's crazy. I'm getting in the editing room. That's my next. I'm trying all of these ventures. So that's yeah, next, totally. Eddie. I'm getting in. <laughs> God, I love, I love I mean, it. I, well, I think, you know, uh, I have a lot of friends in the music industry down in South Florida, and uh, I have friends that have worked with the artist Shakira, the Colombian artist, and they, they'll tell me one thing about Shakira is that she knows everything that is happening from the lighting to the set. And I'm not saying she knows more than the lighting director, no, but she's taken the time sure. to learn the execution of the process and and appreciate their job to acknowledge it and then also understand uh, uh, where it can be tweaked, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think oh, no, totally. that's what you said right now with, with your, you know, with your background experience, it's putting together all, uh, you know, all the ingredients of your life, so to speak, to then now make this cake, uh, that is yeah. the, the rest of your life. No, it's so true. But then the final ingredient is never thinking that you know better than anybody else. Mm -hmm. um, you, know, you have to have a plan and you have to have confidence in your plan, but you don't ever want to be like, no, 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 you know, it's like if somebody's got an idea, it's like, cool. Like even if they pitch on and go like, it's mm, not a great idea. It, take, it would take me longer to have a discussion about why I don't agree with that thing as opposed to go like, try it, wow. you know, because then they'll do it. And I'm like, that was fucking awesome. Like yeah. I never, I didn't even think it was going to be good. So, you know, it, it's really just going like, I think I know, but I don't know. So go ahead. Was there <laughs> a moment wrong. that you can think of? And I, and I like to ask us of, of people, uh, you know, people like you that have had, you know, that that come from extremely humble beginnings and, and then build a, a career of success and nothing was handed to you. Um, was there a moment that you can think of where you realized and you had the light bulb go off and you said to yourself like, oh, shit. I I have the final say in this, or I, I like now my my actual uh, like my, my all of my scientific hypothesis, everything that I've thought of. It all has, came down to this. It all came down to this, and and finally, I I I I, I don't want to say I made it because made it is not the term because we never make it. There's always more, but you finally felt that sigh of relief where you're like, I can do what I want to do. Mm -hmm. um the, the the interesting answer on that is no um oh, because, no it's great yeah, it, you know because it's um you you have these moments of victory that are fantastic yeah. like you know the night that melissa mccarthy and, and ben her husband and, and my wife and i were sitting on our back patio having dinner the night that bridesmaids open when everybody told us it was going to flop and suddenly i get this text and saying like we're actually doing 
went incredibly well. And we all jumped in the car and drove down to the arc light and the, the place was packed. Oh, and then RIP the I arc just light. got the chills. I just yeah. got the chills thinking oh my God, about it was that. So cool. And then you were just like, oh my God. But that is a very short lived moment because the next thing you think is like, what am I going to do next? Oh my God. Yeah, I'm sure. Good. Now the pressure's on because if I do something shitty next, we're going to be out. And then, you know, as you go along, it's weird. I was in movie jail, um, uh, which is a very real thing. Um, which you make For some a movie reason, and it hasn't happened to Mel Gibson yet, but Paul Feig <laughs> was know, in movie jail. Get, I get a pass. I don't know. Why. <laughs> I, I did a movie called uh, Unaccompanied Minors, this, uh, this Christmas movie back in 2006. <laughs> yeah. Warner Brothers. And it bombed, and I was in movie jail for for three years, uh, where you just can't get anything. I couldn't get a kids movie. I couldn't get anything. I'm just like, oh shit. Fortunately, I was doing TV, but you know, I was like, well, my movie career is over. And then Bridesmaids came along, and that took me out. But you never, you never forget that feeling of like, oh no, you know. And so it haunts me every day, and every new project, and everything you're working on. And when the days and things aren't going well, you're like, oh fuck, this one's gonna, this one's gonna put me back in movie jail. You know, and so, but it drives you, you know, and it keeps you from getting, if you ever get like, I, I got it fucking wired now, then you are on your way out. <laughs> well, and, I, and I use the term, and I don't know if you've heard this term before. I know fans of the show have the term Kaizen. And in Japanese, that means continuous improvement. It means that oh. there is no, there's no best at anything, only better. So you're always yeah. trying to just rebetter yourself. And uh, yeah. I think that's a great philosophy for life. And I, and I feel that that's kind of the way, you know, the way you approach things. I mean, it's nice to, to be able to know that at least if you or if your agents put a phone call to somebody because you have an idea that maybe it, you know, that the, yeah. that the phone I mean, call will be returned. In that way, yes, I'm very lucky. Like I can get projects made. It's not always automatic. Trust me, we've yeah. got plenty of stuff on pitch that we can't get made. But at least I go, OK, I can get a job, you know, and that that's that's a nice feeling but um but yeah it just it just kind of hangs over your head all the time and the interesting thing about the industry is it when you're a director they i feel every project you take they're kind of sitting there going like oh has he lost it yet you know so yeah like even even yeah. you get this kind of oversight sometimes where I always feel like they're going like, oh, this is the time he wants to make his art film that's going to be completely not commercial and we're going to lose money. And so I'm always talking like, no, no, I'm thinking very, you know, even if it pitches <laughs> and something sounds like, no, who's going to like that? You're like, no, no, I swear. All I want is for this movie to be a giant hit for you guys, you know, because I don't want to do, uh, you know, look, I, I, I love little independent movies that, you know, but I, I, I can't do that because I want, I need to make, create commercial hits so I can keep, doing what I love to do. Yeah. I, I, um, I know I have some, Megan has some questions that we like to throw out, but did you have something you wanted to ask Paul before? Um, I, I guess not. I, you, now that I, I just, for, I got so nervous. I forgot. What I, <laughs> <laughs> Don't be nervous. Don't be I'm nervous. so nervous. No, I, Paul's like I, the uh, nicest guy ever. No, Adelaide. it's not about nice. Like, what, <laughs> Megan? Uh, Ask me your question. Well, I can't. I can't. No. Uh, I, I do want to say uh, thanks for taking a chance on a female-driven comedy, which was something that, as a girl, it, it, you just didn't see stuff like that before *Bridesmaids*. So it's something that was so powerful to so many of us. Um, so that was awesome. But yeah, I do have some random questions that I wanted to ask. And if, yeah. if you're game, you Bring just have up. to, I want you to impulsively 
answer them. Like, I don't think like if you say something offensive, we can delete it. <laughs> I'm no. the one that edits. So oh, perfect. <laughs> there's no, there's no offense. Get out of here, Megan. There's no offense. I mean, questions. it could get offensive. We don't know. Um, if it gets offensive, first... it's Paul's fault. Not because of the question. Hey, it wasn't my fault. Exactly. It was the yeah. fault. In <laughs> fact, with Mel Gibson's success, I'm sure. I'll maybe blame the gym. You know, I Okay, so the first serious question is, is cereal a soup? Why or why not? Uh, I would dare say no. Uh, I think cereal is just a is a dry food that needs to be consumed um, with a liquid, but it is not liquid based. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You can eat cereal out of the box, just dry, like snacking, watching, you yeah, know, totally. a, a season one of Freaks and Geeks. You're depressed. So, whatever. <laughs> you don't open a can of soup and just chug it. You That's know? true. That's Valid a, point. Right. Unless you're, uh, you know, an old timey tramp or hobo or whatever. Ooh. Who rides the rails. He's like from the old movies. They have the thing with the stick and the, you know, oh, yeah. the. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, how about what's the most ridiculous fact that you know? <laughs> um, I, okay. Uh, where the where the word where the name Santa Claus comes from? Hmm. It's actually where, it's actually got a kind of a kind of a terrible uh, history because it's actually it's making, not Saint Nicholas. No. Well, here's what it is. It's making fun of uh, people with an accent who can't say it. Because apparently back then, oh, back wow. 100 years ago, whenever it came out, these, uh, I think they were either Spanish press or something, were asking a question about St. Nicholas. But they go, so, so about St. Nicholas, St. Nicholas, they would say like St. Nicholas. <laughs> they like, what, what, Santa Claus, what? And that's where Santa Claus came from. It's just a bastardization of St. Nicholas. That is a really random fact. Yeah, that's good. Too. And thank Saving you. Saving that for parties. Thank you. No, With I'm my gonna, Christmas I'm gonna call sweater. call my mom right after this. <laughs> it's One of my, my party. favorite weird facts, exactly. But, but I just love this. Beloved Santa Claus is based on making fun of foreign people. It's like, okay, thanks, America. We've done it again. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, what part of a kid's movie completely scarred you? Oh, God. Um. Well, okay, Wizard of Oz, um, the uh -oh. tornado in Wizard of Oz. I grew up in the Midwest. <laughs> oh no! That fucking tornado scared the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, because that was my nightmare as a kid. You'd always have tornado warnings constantly, and, and like we didn't have a basement. It's like who's going to destroy my house? So yeah, that was. I still I still get get ootsie when I watch that. <laughs> Do you watch it ever with the Pink Floyd Dark Side of the Moon matchup? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. For the third click or whatever. <laughs> Super stoned. <laughs> exactly. Every night. That's my Rocky Horror Picture Show. Right? Whatever. He's got an interesting life. He lives. Exactly. Bottle <laughs> of gin. Me. Don't bother Thank me. I've know. got my gin. I've got Wizard of Oz. I got. You know this is this is his nightly thing. Let him alone. <laughs> yeah. Leave him be. <laughs> okay. Um. In one sentence, sum up the internet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, another one, drink. Oh, oh, in one sentence. Okay. Um, the worst and best thing that ever happened to mankind. I, that's perfect. That's yeah. literally. I was hoping you'd do worse than that. Now well, I don't know. I know. Well, I, I could. <laughs> <laughs> He's a smart man. I have a very have a very uh, tense relationship for the last six years. So. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh geez. Oh. You make one. You make one movie about female Ghostbusters, and then you're number one. I'll tell be, you. be glad it wasn't a female Star Wars movie. You would really be oh in God. trouble. 
<laughs> so, you know what? I, I might as well have. And apparently, <laughs> this was just as bad. Exactly. Like, oh, geez. Yeah, and he takes a drink. All right, I last more. one. More. Hmm? He's like, give me, give me more. more. Any other bottles? Of- uh, not like Eddie and I will ever be in your house, but I mean. <laughs> What's the weirdest thing? I mean, I can think of stuff Eddie and I would do, but what's the weirdest thing a guest has done at your house? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, <laughs> we had a party once. This is years ago. And somebody, we don't know who it was, took a shit in our bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> Did you figure out who it was? She, you, you didn't know that I worked catering for that party, Paul? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's like, oh my God. What Sorry. movie did you make that year? And why were they angry about this it? Back, I was an actor. I mean, this was like oh. 20 years Okay, so ago. there was no catering at that party. I'm sorry. It wasn't me. No, well, there was definitely not. No. <laughs> <laughs> if we had catering, it wouldn't have happened because God only knows what we served them that caused that. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, uh, so, Paul, where can folks get their hands on Arting Sauls Gin? I know here in LA, you got it at, at Total Wine, you've got it at Flask, you got it at Mission Liquor, like all of my favorite spots. But where can yeah, remedy, folks find it? Remedy, which we remedy, love. yeah. Um, we're in a lot of places. We're all over Florida right now because Southern uh, is is picking us Southern up. Spirits, and Southern Southern Wine and Spirits, awesome. Yeah, great exactly. They're great, and, uh, and we're all, we're in Texas. We're gonna we're supposed to be all over California. We're waiting for one license, and then we'll be in Bevmos and all it's that. Shocking! You're waiting for a license in California. I know who would have known exactly. Shocking. Your red tape. Um, but but here's the easiest way. Go to artingstallsgin.com mm-hmm. and it will tell you all the places you can get it. And if you are in the UK, go to the Whiskey Exchange. Uh, dot com and and then you can get it there and, and we'll put just, all that in our notes in our show yes. notes so you guys can do that yeah. and so folks, don't be driving and writing that down yeah, don't do it not. we will put uh, it in our show notes so please but just follow. artingstallsgin.com that's a place to go please Perfect. follow at artingstallsgin on social please follow at paul feig uh if you want some smiles it it, it, it oh, really yeah. is i i uh yeah, it's just uh, it's it's uh, it's good to see successful people that are good people, and at good least uh, without like without you know you're not the type of good person that's just like here's a check that I donated to something and let me take a picture of this big fake fucking check. No, you're just you're just good people, right? Uh, Paul, we and I mean there's so many questions I could ask you. I know your time is limited, and and I will leave it at that. Uh, we end every show the same way, and the only thing we don't get back in life is time. And I want to, and Megan wants to, acknowledge you for some of your precious time here with us on Kill the Bottle Podcast. Uh, I know that our audience is just going to love just your 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 energy. So your thank you aura, so much. Your aura, darling, man. You're, that you're was, a good dude. It just, it- Puts well, anyone thanks. in a good mood. Any, any, back at you. Yes. Eddie, I love everything you do. I think you're so much fun to follow. And I just really, it was such an honor to get to meet you back when we did our year and a half ago, our, our Zoom party. Um, and it just, it's, it, I was, when you contacted me about this, I was like, of course, like, why would I not? I have to do that. So it thank means, you so it much. It means the world to us sincerely. And we will have that martini at Musso and Frank at, Musso and Frank's at some point. Uh, but yes. folks, please check out Arting Stalls Gin. Like, no joke. Uh, it's 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 fucking delicious. Uh, like, it. subscribe, you know, thumbs up, whatever it is you do that will help us continue to 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 talk to folks like Paul about their life, about their booze. Let's cool. help us all make it happen. Thank you, Paul. What's next for you? 
Uh, I'm in the middle of a movie right now that we're just uh, editing uh, called The School for Good and Evil that comes out uh, end of September on Netflix. Um, but then also I have two new TV series um, coming out on the exact same day, on <laughs> March 17th. Awesome. We have a show called Minx that's going to be starting up on HBO Max. Great name. Which is so great. It's, it's a, a fictional retelling of the beginnings of Playgirl magazine. Oh, that's great. And it, it's one of the most outrageous, hilarious, rude shows you've ever seen. Oh, yes! That, and then the exact same day on Fox, we've got a, a show called Welcome to Flatch, which is a, um, a uh, Americanization of a British show called um, This Country which is a uh, like a comedic documentary about these two cousins in this small town. It's such a funny show. Um, and it's just a delight. It's, it's like The Office. It's that kind of feel. And it's going to be everybody's favorite new It's going to be a busy uh, day. You better have um, Melissa back over Yeah, I'm excited. And, and oh, folks, exactly. oh, yeah, yeah. folks, I'm going to, I you know, obviously I have to let Paul go, but please even just IMDB Paul and look up his episodes of The Office uh, that he worked on <laughs> and yeah. get some extra entertainment there and just get more smiles. Thank you again, Paul, for being on Kill the Bottle Podcast. And you, uh, anyway, we're, we're honored. Have an awesome, awesome night. Cheers. Thanks. And thanks, Megan. You're the best. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you.